0: Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show, everyone. It is Super Bowl Sunday, And I, for one, am absolutely pumped for this game. If you're in New Orleans, I completely understand why you are boycotting this game. But, you know, as it stands, we've got a Rams team that no one is respecting whatsoever. A Pats team that lost five games this year is one of the weakest Pats teams we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. And they've got 80% of the bets coming in on them. Total from Vegas. The money's on the Pats right now. You know, we're going to see some late movement with money action coming on the Rams. But the line never moved from the two and a half. From the outset, when the Rams opened at minus one. And the Pats were bet on heavy enough in that first ever to move the line. All the way from Rams minus one to Pats minus one. Within the first hour of betting, this line has steadily moved through the Pats to two and a half. And it is held there by and large. The uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook is still at minus two. Uh, FanDuel was at minus two for a while. It then went to minus two and a half. But no one wants to go to three because everyone knows. And that's what I was afraid of. Is that you know, folks like me who look at the valuation would jump on the Rams plus three, and obviously Rams plus three and a half. So the line never moved. It just stayed there like, you know, someone just dropped a turd and just didn't flush the toilet. It has been there permeating the entire week, stinking up the joint. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, this is not an appealing line whatsoever. And it's just public money, just falling all over themselves, talking up the pat. So let's let's go back through this game and try to make sense of this because I'm going to bring my dad on a bit later. Uh, we're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the Knicks just because of the Kristaps Porzingis situation. But for right now, I want to just concentrate on the Super Bowl here and just take a look back through these teams and what they do well, what they don't really do well and see if we can kind of come to a consensus as to where I'm going to go with this game and uh, where I see this ultimately playing out and how we can attack it from a DFS standpoint uh, to try to see if we can make some money here. Because from a betting standpoint, you know, I'm not very happy with how this turned out. But it is what it is. You you just got to live with uh, certain lines that you got to deal with. So uh, without much further ado, let's get into these games. Uh, Well, the game, I should say, and uh, take a look at these teams uh, in a deeper level. So uh, let's start off with the Rams here. Let's go into the defense first because everyone wants to talk about Sean McVay and do the parallels of uh, McVay and Goff being young to Brady and Belichick. And I'm not going to be fake like that. I I think that comparison is absolutely ridiculous and insulting to the Patriots. Uh, I'm not going to be fake like that and 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 gush over the offense the way most media members have done with Sean McVay. So l- let's start with the defense first uh, and highlight what they actually do well. Uh, in spite of the fact that Aaron Donald won the defensive MVP award, uh, the issue with the Rams is that they're only 21st in actual pass rush. That's the reason why they traded for Dante Fowler from the Jags uh, midseason, they're not good with the pass rush on the outside. That's why they had to get uh, bring in Fowler. And you know, results have been mixed with Fowler. He did force the turnover on Breeze in overtime. Uh, so I mean, he got them there with a play. But you know, the plays have been few and far between. It's been very inconsistent uh, overall uh, for Fowler. So you know, what do I make of? The Rams defense. Here's what they gotta be able to do. Yes, get pressure on Brady up the middle. Sue and Donald have to be amazing uh for them to have a shot tonight. You know, you gotta get Brady off his spot. But realistically the other thing that they have to be able to do is defend the slot. The biggest issue with the Kansas City Chiefs last week was that they're now fired defensive quarter Bob Sutton. And, you know, I don't understand these teams, why they get so predictable, but Bob Sutton only played cover two the entire game. This is almost as bad and egregious as what Gus Bradley did against the Pats, uh, the Chargers defensive coordinator, when he went with seven DBs the entire game against the Pats and just let the Pats run right over him. You know, Bob Sutton plays cover two. You let Tom Brady see cover two, Literally, he can see the entire field. There's not enough pressure on him. He can just pick and pick and pop the entire way through, hit you in the flat, hit you over the middle, and get, get get a crossing uh, route over uh, on a post. Like There are a number of ways where Tom Brady can just dissect your defense if you're just going to sit and cover two. Cover two only works if you've got Dwight Freeney, Causing pressure on the outside the way Tony Dungy used to draw it up for the Colts. And uh, Freeney's pass rush abilities would disrupt the Patriots enough that, you know, even with uh, uh, the cover two getting shredded, you know, it's not as lopsided. Chiefs didn't have any of that in the AFC title game and it cost them. And cost Sutton his job. Now, Since Aqib Talib has been back with the Rams in Week 14, uh, the Rams have been uh, the number one defense in the league against uh, passes in the slot. Uh, The Rams have uh, allowed less than 40 percent completion. I believe it's 30, uh, 33, or 34 percent completion in the slot. You know that is the trademark that they can kind of hang their hat on. Because here, here is the problem. I'm not entirely sold on the pass rush of the Rams uh, being able to make a whole lot of difference with the Patriots because realistically, you're not going to hit Tom Brady all that often as much as I think they need to. I don't think that's necessarily in the game plan. What the Rams kind of have to focus on is getting enough hurries on Brady to disrupt, Not, not necessarily hit him, but they have to at least be able to disrupt him. And that's where Sue and Donald have to concentrate on, uh, trying to go for the big hit. Uh, it's going to screw up their gap responsibilities. so they got to be able to figure out ways of getting pressure on their man without having to overcommit and uh, um, and miss some of their gap responsibilities. Because that's what's going to be able to get Sony Michelle going on the ground again for the Pats. Is if they get overzealous with trying to rush the passer. And leave and and leave some of those gaps wide open. So, uh, outside of that, you know, again, if you defend the slot against the Pats, you're gonna have a chance. If you just stay in zone against the Pats, you're a dead man. uh You know, if you blitz too often, you will eventually be a dead man. It's just it's, the death is going to come much much later. Wade Phillips is going to try to get pressure with four down linemen and he's still going to blitz because, you know, he is a Ryan. I, I, I mean, he he operates off of uh, the Buddy Ryan, uh, Bum Phillips, uh, his, uh, Wade's father, Bum Phillips, but he, uh, Buddy Ryan was also a disciple of Bum. It, they, they're going to blitz. <laughs> it's just, it, there's no way fans are buts about it. The blitz is coming. It's just a matter of. How much pressure can the Rams generate without having to blitz that often? Because that's going to be a key of this game. So, again, I don't think they're going to be able to generate that much of a pass rush with her sacking Brady. Because guess what? In uh, I believe the stat is in the ninety dropbacks that Brady has had in the postseason thus far, he's been sacked zero times and been hit three times. The Pats had the number one pass. Uh, blocking unit in the entire NFL this year and it's holding up in the postseason so again if that's not your calling card on defense then you know trying to force it for one game isn't really going to help you all that much so realistically what Sue and Donald have to focus on is yes try to get the pressure going uh and hurry Brady but also get your hands up get your hands up and bat some balls down because that's going to frustrate Brady more than anything else. You know, you're not going to be a sack him, but if you can disrupt the passing lanes, that's better than getting a sack because you'll keep Brady off of rhythm. So that's what the Rams have to kind of hold their hat on is that being able to defend receivers in the slot and work their way through uh, the fact that, you know, the sacks really aren't going to be there. But maybe you can get the, the knockdowns going. So, what do the Rams not do well on defense? I talked about it uh, before. It's the fact that they don't rush the passer all that well. And there's still the whole matter of you're going against Tom Brady. So, Brady can certainly uh, pick on Marcus Peters this entire game and let the Patriots receivers get into Marcus Peters head. Marcus Peters is enough of a hothead. The Rams cornerback, that he can blow up this entire game for the Rams defense by him not being able to control his emotions entirely possible. The other thing that happens is Brandon Roby, uh, Coleman, uh, against Brady. You know, he's going to be on the tilt and going after Roby as well. Roby Coleman's gotta be smart. He's already got enough media attention from the pass interference call that wasn't uh, called against him, against the Saints, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the refs call it a bit tighter against him tonight. I wouldn't put it past them, knowing the fact that these uh, the refs screwed up so royally in the Saints game that we're still hearing about it two weeks later. Much Whether the NFL likes it or not, that uh, anything close tonight for pass interference... They're going to have to call it. So, I think it's going to be tighter uh, call than pretty much any game this season uh, so far. So, just because the NFL knows every ref is under scrutiny, doesn't matter how well qualified they are, everyone's on watch tonight. So, the NFL, I'm sure, put out the memo to the refs to make sure that if it's close, throw the flag. No questions at this point because they don't want to risk the fact that they showed favoritism to one side or the other. So Coleman, I, I would have eyes the back the head because I, I definitely think he's going to be getting flagged more often than not in this one. The one other piece that I want to talk about with this is, you know, the Rams defense is actually uh, one of the top teams at defending uh, running back passes out in the flat. So, you know, the, uh, the advantage the Patriots usually have is that, uh, James White can just catch it, uh, passes out in the flat, you know, it was absolute PPR machine. And actually, uh, the Pats are one of the few teams since, uh, you got to go back to, uh, the greatest show on turf with the Rams and Marshall Falk to see a team make it to the Super Bowl with a, a running back as the leading wide receiver, uh, Leading receiver on the team in receptions. Uh, It just doesn't happen all that often. So uh, it is a strange occurrence. But uh, like I said, the Rams are a top uh, seven team in terms of defending uh, passes uh, uh, by running backs. uh, uh, Passes to running backs, I should say. And from that standpoint, uh, the Rams also played a very... uh, uh, centric schedule uh, with uh, teams that threw to the running backs because I mean they they did have to play against the uh, uh, teams like the Saints and the Chiefs so they were used to teams that are throwing to running backs so uh, I would say that's an unheralded strength that uh, folks aren't necessarily picking up on in terms of things that uh, the Rams can do now on the Pat side When they've gone up against teams that are elite against uh, running backs, uh, catching the ball in the flat, the Pats are one in three of those uh, games. So, you know, it is something to uh, take note of is that if James White does not get going in this game because the Rams are able to shut him down, you know, again, this plays into the narrative of how does New England score the points Uh, If this is supposed to be the uh, whitewash that everyone is uh, betting this game to be. I just, I have reservations about New England's offense in this game. Just like I have reservations about the Rams offense, which I'm going to get to right now. My biggest issue with the Rams is the fact that this offense, which was number one in efficiency through the first 10 weeks of the year, tailed off dramatically with Cooper Cup getting injured. Now, part of it was Cooper Cup being injured, but part of it ended up also being the fact that Todd Gurley got hurt. You know, everyone keeps saying that uh, this whole C.J. Anderson, Todd Gurley thing is just to get Gurley, uh, keep Gurley fresh throughout the playoffs. And that narrative was nice to say up until the NFC title game because everything was on the line In that game, they're struggling mightily. They can't get any plays in. It's too loud in the Superdome. Everything's going wrong. And it would have been a classic scenario for a team, just the way the Steelers used to do with Le'Veon Bell, to run the football with your bell cow, quiet down the crowd, take them out of it, and get yourself back into the game. The Rams couldn't do that. Gurley was on the bike the entire game because... A, he's not performing at the level that he usually does. And B, I think the reason why he can't perform at the level is because he's hurt. The, to me, there's been nothing shown that Todd Gurley is 100% for this game. At least 100% to by his standards of uh, performing. And because of that, there is no way I can recommend playing Todd Gurley in any DFS format for this game. Yes, I know people are going to play uh, Todd Gurley regardless because of the uh, the valuation from a dollar standpoint of uh, looking at it that he's going to be under-owned by folks like me telling you not to play him. I, 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 firmly believe, I firmly get that if you're doing it from a game theory standpoint why your rationale uh, is to be overweight on Todd Gurley. My thing is, from a practicality standpoint, it doesn't make sense the way the Rams used Todd Gurley in the playoffs that, you know, C.J. Anderson is so much a better option than Todd Gurley. C.J. Anderson is a factor in this because of how banged up Todd Gurley is that they cannot rely on Gurley to do much of anything for them other than be a decoy. And even that wasn't working all that well for them uh against uh the Cowboys in New Orleans so be that as it may the Saints have had to reinvent themselves in a way and one of the things I expect Sean McVay to do today is the fact that I think they're going to concentrate more on two tight end sets and when it's not two tight end sets that so they're going with 21 package which uh being uh, uh Two wide receivers, uh, one tight end. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of volume in there for the likes of Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett just to keep the Pats honest. I think there's going to be a double team on Brandon Cooks over the top, and then you're going to have Stefan Gilmore shadowing Robert Woods in the slot and trying to take away the middle of the field. I just feel as though the Rams, you know, Having to adapt to life with injuries are going to be going in a contrarian style when matching up against the Patriots because trying to do the predictable isn't what's uh, the most optimal path of beating the Patriots uh, unless you're just set enough in your execution to be able to get it done because that's how the Giants got it done. they, they were The Giants were played a field position battle kept it really tight to the vest, just didn't tip their hand to anything, and eventually uh, outplayed the Pats uh, by sheer force of will on defense and on offense, not going overboard with uh, getting cute with play calls. You know, at, at the end of the day, the Rams have to be somewhere closer to what the Giants did against the Patriots than what the Eagles did. The Eagles were able to take advantage of a matchup nightmare caused by Malcolm Butler getting benched and no one really being prepared for it on the Pat secondary because they all thought Malcolm Butler was playing that game right up until kickoff. So from the standpoint I see with the Rams, this is a clear cut case for a heavy, heavy uh, package of 15 play, 12 play drives. Trying to go quick strike against the Patriots is a just a losing bet uh, right off the gate. There's no way I could see the Rams being able to do quick strike offense against New England uh, the way the Eagles were able to do it. Uh, I think it's going to have to be more methodical. I think they're going to have to use C.J. Anderson to grind. Even though I'm not a big C.J. Anderson fan, the fact that I still believe Gurley's injured. They're going to have to keep the pats on us with the play action, and the only way to do that is you've got to be able to run the football to get three, four yards, and C.J. Anderson can do that if given the opportunity. So, uh, you know, again, keep it simple. Uh, I just think that this Rams offense has had to reinvent itself, and so now they've got to be a much more buttoned-up, let's-play-by-the-numbers type of game where – they're going to play field position against the Patriots. So, we talked about the Rams. Let's get into the Pats. I mean, from a special team standpoint, the edge is going to be slightly with the Rams. Just because of there's always a possibility Johnny Hecker, uh, the punter for the Rams, can pull off a fake. And it's, it's enough to at least keep New England all honest. About uh, tr- trying to do uh, fancy plays, uh, and uh, I give the kicker battle a slight edge to Greg Zerline over Guskowski because I've seen Guskowski have slight waivers in terms of the kicking game this year, which I've never seen before uh, in in the in years past. But it, I've, I've started seeing some cracks in Guskowski. It, it's not it's not that noticeable, but I've started seeing some cracks. But when it comes to the Patriots. Overall, it's just the same message that we always hear from the Patriots. Do your job. Now, if we're coming into a case where this is going to come down to special teams, uh, you know, it's more likely that the Rams are the ones that make a mistake. But I still give a slight edge to the Rams just because from a personnel standpoint, they have more options where they could do a few more uh, trick plays than... New England, and I, I do feel as though uh, we are in store for at least one trick play in this game tonight, uh, but we'll see uh, we'll see w- uh, what comes up later tonight. Now, talking about the Pats offense, you know, we talked about how well the Rams are good at disrupting uh, passes to the slot, you know, Brady is going to be looking for the likes of Julian Edelman, he's going to be looking for James White, but... One of the things that I, I think we could see out of the Pats this game is uh, instead of going with two tight end sets, I could see a lot of uh, 21 personnel with two wide receivers, one tight end, and I could see them trying to line, uh, line up James Devlin uh, in the backfield to block for Sonny Michelle and trying to run for four or five yards and just play that ball control offense. I think if the Rams play ball control, New England's going to be ha- more than happy to comply with them. If the Rams try to speed it up, New England's still going to play ball control and grind on the Rams' defense. I I think the game plan for New England is try try to grind on the Rams' defense, get them a little bit tired, and then you come back to the likes of Edelman and James White. So in the first half, I I do expect this to be lower scoring because I I don't see New England forcing the issue uh, to their guys in the flat. I think uh, as the game moves along, though, that's when we're going to see the uh, the offense open up from a passing game standpoint uh, to White nettleman Edelman. Uh, as far as Gronk goes, you know, Gronk has been the best blocker on the Pats. Now, are we going to ever see the classic Gronk where he just takes over a game entirely? I just can't see it happening. I, I know folks want to play up the narrative of Gronk Possibly being in this last game just goes all out and just destroys the Rams. But, you know, there is a reason why they call them narratives. It's just, you know, it's your own make-believe story. I just have to look at this from a standpoint of most likely outcome to happen. You see a bit more Philip Dorsett and Chris Hogan in this game as uh, the Rams take away the slot receivers so Brady's going to have to open up a little bit more with uh, uh, different sets where it's a four wide receiver set and try to spread out uh, these uh, 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 these uh, defenders and uh, get his guys into the space that they need. But again, I see that more uh, towards the second half where they open up uh, the playbook a bit. Now, as far as the Patriots' defense goes, it is still a highly underrated unit. They've been getting pass rush towards the second half of the year from Kyle Van Noy. Uh the Pats have been able to do different stunts at the line of scrimmage and and throw off the blocking mechanisms of the teams they go they've gone up against because they've gotten pressure on Mahomes. They got pressure on Rivers. I have no doubt that they're going to be able to get pressure on Jared Goff. And I've seen Jared Goff have his panic moments uh Yes, have they been corrected, but there's still a possibility where uh, you can see that uh, the Rams are going to be in a bit of a precarious position at times uh, dealing with uh, the New England offense. Now, if we're uh, being objective here, I still look at this game as a... On paper, the Rams are a better team from an X's and O standpoint with two weeks to prepare. I don't like the Rams' chances that this game was played out ten times. But, be that as it may, we only got one game to worry about here. So, I still see this as a case where you know the Rams have more than enough ample opportunities to be able to make a dent against the Patriots. But they've got to get it started early. The Pats get better as the game moves along. So by the time that fourth quarter rolls around, if you're not ahead of the Pats, it's a hard, hard sell uh, to pull ahead for good when you know Tom Brady's coming right back at you on the back end uh, with the clock running down. Because the refs are going to give them calls and the Pats are going to have their best uh, uh, plays dialed up to get Edelman and Gronk free. And uh most likely if you if you've got them covered, James White's open in, in the flat. There's there's just really uh really not that much uh folks have been able to do to slow down New England when New England wants to move the football. So again, if we're looking at this game objectively, I would say that New England should win this one more often than not. However, with it being bet on as aggressively as it has been for New England, the folks who are still betting on New England, you've lost your edge. There, there's the benefit of betting on New England was when they were the underdog early on, or when it was pick and the line started shifting to pick him and then a later a one point favorite. That was fine. Now we're at the point where it's too late to bet on the. It's it's basically too late to bet on the Pats unless this game. Um uh, goes uh, uh, goes uh, heavy with Rams money at the very end and the valuation gets a little bit better uh, for the Pats pricing. But at, at this stage, uh, it's just not recommended is the word I would go for if you're still trying to bet on the Pats. So again, the Pats being favored by two and a half, I, I just don't see the value there. so uh, logistically, The bet would uh, basically have to go to the Rams here, even though I'm not a fan of this bet at all. I'm not a fan of this line at all. I'm not wagering a whole ton on it. Uh, I would rather just put the money on the Rams' money line at this stage uh, than uh, uh, put it on uh, the Rams' plus 2.5. But, you know, be that as it may, uh, again, I still look at the Pats as uh, the team most likely to win a scenario between these two teams it's just that i believe that the rams are the better team if you look at it just a pure roster construction standpoint uh there are fewer glaring holes on the rams it's just from an access to no standpoint uh with the execution i mean the pats stay on message that is the one thing that you know of new england more than anything else they stay on message they don't get off of it And it is very, very effective. So that does it for the initial breakdown of the game. I'm going to bring my dad on shortly uh, to talk about a couple other things like the Knicks and other aspects of the game and NFL news in general. So uh, without much further ado, let's uh, bring my dad on and then afterwards uh, we'll uh, start talking some DFS uh, picks as well uh, as we go through this. Alright, Callie. I know it's been a couple of days. I ha- I had to simmer down a bit uh, because of everything that happened with the Porzingis trade and the nonsense the Knicks tried to pull afterwards because the, uh, the overall sentiment that I got from that was that the Porzingis trade came across like every other trade that you see happen with the Mets where they get rid of someone And then all of a sudden, all these stories start leaking out about how terrible they were and how they didn't buy into the philosophy of the team. And what I want the Knicks to answer me is that what is your actual tangible plans to attracting free agents? Because just because uh, you're about to clear a ton of cap space doesn't mean anyone wants to come and play for you. There's a reason why LeBron doesn't actually even bother interviewing with you. Paul George doesn't take an interview with the Knicks. No one actually cares about the Knicks organization outside of the Knicks organization. So again, if you're Porzingis, why would you want to stick around with an organization that clearly doesn't know what it's doing and B, treats you like you're an idiot? Because that's what the Knicks do. They treat you like you're an idiot, then blame you when you sh- give them a differing opinion. Because once Porzingis blew off that exit meeting two years ago with Phil Jackson and Steve Mills, it should have been a signal to the ownership group that hey, we got a big issue with Steve. Ja- I mean, uh, Steve Mills and Phil Jackson. Instead, they turned it into a us against them, so that once they uh, they kept Phil Phil in charge. He, he drafts Manila Aquina, which no one agreed with. You fire Phil a few days later, and you still promote Steve Mills, even though he's shown nothing to actually warrant justifying a GM job. So again, what did the Knicks actually show Porzingis that they could ever be a competent organization? Because for everyone complaining about Porzingis always getting hurt, yes, He's, he's, he's gotten hurt quite a bit, but he's 23 years old and you still had another year on that contract. And let's not forget, you could have made that deal to get Kawhi Leonard in here in the first place. When Kawhi said he wanted to go to the Knicks, you chose to hold on to Porzingis, let the asset depreciate. And now your only plan is to clear cap space. Like, I don't want to hear hindsight is 2020. If you actually had a real plan. We wouldn't be in this spot. That's the problem I have with the Knicks.
1: The problem with the Knicks is as long as Dolan stays as the owner, I don't think we go in any place. That fish rottens from the head. And it's to me, it's Dolan. You know?
0: Yeah, you know, it's just one of those things that reeks of James Dolan getting involved in personnel matters, yet again, and, you know, there's no accountability, because, again, the timing of this trade basically seems to be that the Knicks had just decided that they're going to go all out to tank for the overall number one pick, and somehow they're going to be able to sell two marquee free agents, that being Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, to come to New York. On the basis of what? I have no idea because just because uh, you can play in New York doesn't mean you should actually play in New York. When they have multiple options available, mind you. Right,
1: well, you can play in New York. You might, you might want to play for the Nets. Well, that's the thing. You it, know, you know it, it's
0: not as though the Knicks are the only game in town with clearing cap space. Multiple teams have done this. The Clippers have done this. The Lakers have done this. The Nets have done this. You know, you can go down the list of teams that have cap space for the upcoming year and you will see a who's who of actual viable teams that uh, guys can go to. And where I end up uh, seeing the Knicks fall in this pecking order is that they are without question the second tier class of teams looking for marquee free agents so when you tell me that you're going to land two max free agent contracts, yeah, you can land two max free agent contracts because everyone gets max free agent contracts. They hand them out like candy. That's how John Wall got his max deal. But at the end of the day, I can easily see a scenario where the Knicks end up settling for Jimmy Butler and Kem- and Kemba Walker. Literally, that, that I can easily see that scenario ha- play out because... There, there is nothing dictating uh, uh, what uh, what teams are actually going to be able to land some of these guys. Somebody's going to lose, and odds on, it ends up being the Knicks. No, the Knicks have
1: one one feather in the cap, is if they are lousy enough to get that number one pick, and then up landed Zion Williams. That's the biggest penny in their cap. And they're not they and they're and they they're still not that. projected to end up with the number one pick.
0: That's the problem. Huh? It, it, that's the problem. The Knicks still are not projected to end up with the overall number one pick. They may not, but I said that's
1: their own to me, that's their saving grace. If they do happen to and end up with that number one pick. I mean, they're lousy enough to do it. You know they're lousy enough to do it. Yeah, I, because I, what they've won, they won what ten games.
0: Yeah, they're they're at 10, uh, 10 wins.
1: Right, and I don't see many more wins for
0: them. That, so it, it the, ends, the, not, not, now, with the, really not, not, now with the group they're trotting out these days, no, there, there really isn't that much. I mean. Everyone knows the Knicks are tanking. There, there's no question about that. But, you know, at the same time, just because you're clearing the cap space doesn't actually mean you are in the position to do anything with it. That That's, that's the fear with the Knicks. That is legitimately the fear with the Knicks. <clears throat> because, you know, there's... Yeah, that- be, because the... You know, and it was unf- it was an unfortunate thing. But, like, one of the luckiest things that could have happened to the Knicks was Victor Oladipo getting hurt. Because the Pacers have a ton of cap space to sign one uh, max player uh, this year. Now, people were saying that the Pacers may still make a trade uh, before the deadline uh, just because of Oladipo getting hurt. And they, they still have a decent shot at uh, making a run in the playoffs. But, you know, again... You know, just because you take one team off the board, you still got a bunch of other squads that have the cap space that are far more attractive, that being the L.A. teams. So like, realistically, you got a young Clippers team that's far more competently managed than the Knicks, and you've got Laker, the Lakers with LeBron. I, I, I mean, again, I don't really see oh, where the Knicks are like getting well, traction. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah, i lose in here a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, basically what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, there, there's, there's still more than enough reason to suspect that Kevin Durant um, leaves, but that doesn't guarantee that he's coming to New York. And, again, the whole Kyrie Irving situation, Kyrie can't make up his mind. So, again, Kyrie has waffled on this about half a dozen times already, doesn't have it. Uh, seem to have one, uh, uh, two feet uh, in one spot. He's always got one, his foot one foot out the door for the last couple of years now. Uh, you know, even though Boston traded for him, it's never felt like as though Kyrie really wanted to embrace the idea of being a leader. It always felt like Kyrie liked the idea of being the man of his own NBA franchise. But the actual practical handling of it seems to be something that he's, not all that interested doing the day to day affairs well, of it.
1: Well, that's why he apologized to LeBron the other day, because he realized what an asshole he was in Cleveland when LeBron started talking to him. You know. So now he's in that position in Boston where the younger guys are not really listening to him. So now he realized exactly what it is. The position LeBron was in when and he, he 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 spoke to him and he got he got all pissed off and left Cleveland.
2: Yeah, no so
1: he, he said he wanted to be, you know he wants to have his own team. Yeah. You know. That's that's the thing I worry about when people talk about Kyrie coming to the next, is that yeah, but you know, judging from how he, he's leading in Boston. I, I don't
0: know if 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 I want him to be the leader, of my team, you know. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it we're not going to know how this plays out for another couple of months. But my 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 issue with the Knicks remain remain uh, as such is that there's nothing the Knicks have ever shown me that you know they know what they're doing. So. Even, yep. and, and granted, yes, they have a chance at the number one pick, but guess what? They had a better chance at the number one pick four years ago when we had a chance to get Carl Anthony Towns, and they still managed to screw that up. I have no faith in this, oh, yeah, this they, organization
1: oh, yeah, of they, getting this uh, thing right.
0: Games, they won three games at the end of the season when they
1: should have lost those three games. Uh, you, you, I I, still feel that... Uh, that, that 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 they got the coach screwed them out of that, you know. I don't understand why you want to win three games at the end of the season and, and yeah. give up the the number one spot uh, in the thing.
0: Are, are you, are, I, you I, say, I are you saying? Are you saying Derek Fisher didn't know what he was doing?
1: <laughs> I I I. But then you got to explain to me how they won those three games because we won. We was
0: the lousiest team. Mm-hmm. And then we won those three games and, 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 and let two teams
1: for us.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Well, the Knicks... Yeah, no, the Knicks, like, basically let uh, teams tank the game for them and never adjusted and ended up winning the game. It, it was a lot of more comical things about NBA, but, like, I keep saying this about the NBA season. Because of and they've started taking steps to avoid us after the shamelessness with which Philly operated about it, where the weighted balls don't mean nearly as much anymore if you have the overall worst record. So even with that, the Knicks still have a worse chance of yeah, getting Zion Williamson than they ha- have ever had before. Yeah, I know.
1: They, 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 they The Knicks probably is going to be the lousiest team the year that they change the rules. Of course. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably losing all of the pick. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah. basically, it, it, it just like
0: it is. yeah. So basically, the only thing you can see happening out of the Knicks is that maybe Dennis Smith Jr. shows some signs of promise. I mean, the Aquina experiment is all but over. I mean, uh, Fizdale buried that kid so deep that, like, you know. The only guy buried worse than Nilakina is uh, is Cantor right now. Because Cantor can't buy his way out, out of New York fast enough. Uh, the, the way the Knicks are operating. Uh, just because now, because Cantor made it public, they're, they're trying to spite him. Which, again, I never understood this. If you have the option of buying the guy out and clearing the cap space, just buy the guy out and clear the cap space. Or dismiss him from the team if you don't want him around. But why you let him hang around, still be a media distraction and a locker room distraction? Is is it's just a complete Knicks thing to do?
1: Well, this is the problem I have. You know, when you're talking about the Clippers, if the Clippers have the cap space, just like the Knicks, would you rather play for Steve Ballmer or or or? James Dolan. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. You know, he had just as much, he had just as much, more money, you know. So I, I don't know why you would want to come to New York if you could stay out in L.A. Yeah. It, it, so when it's... people, yeah, because Dolan to me, eh, Dolan is a big is a is a big problem that the Knicks have. Because Dolan is the one who was responsible for Anthony coming here and um, um, Walsh leaving the job.
0: Oh yeah, the, well, the Donnie
1: we Walsh. We went right
0: on our way with, with, with Walsh. Oh yeah, Donny Walsh and, and had that humming.
1: Guy... Are you breaking up?
0: Yeah, no. The, the Dolan uh, basically forced uh, forced the trade through over Donny Walsh's objections when. We had the uh, yeah. we had enough assets to surround Carmelo with his with his one true bona fide chance at making an NBA Finals run, and Carmelo's camp basically forced Dolan Tan to trade everyone, including Wilson Chandler and uh, Danilo Gallinari, to Denver, and made Denver a playoff team. When we missed the playoffs, it, you know it it never ceases to amaze me how incompetent the Knicks can be at times but yeah we're, re- we're the re- problem yeah go ahead the
1: problem with the Nick
0: Huh? Eh? No, no I was saying go ahead
1: <laughs> no the problem with the Nick I find, is that every every idiotic suggestion that you get from the fan, like Dolan listens to the fans and you know the kind of idiotic suggestions you get from the fans and for some reason like Dolan follows these things you know because I never, I, I couldn't understand that, 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 that Camero trade. Why would you give up half your team for a guy that's going to be a free agent at the end of the year? If you want to come to me, wait till the end of the season, and I'll pay you the money. I don't want to give up people. I never could understand it. And we, to me, we never recovered from that, you know? And that was a straight-up Dolan trade because immediately Donnie was said he was retiring. Uh, you know, and then he just went back to Indian, Indianapolis. Yeah. He wasn't retired, He just wanted to get out from under the dollar. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But... You know because if I'm the manager, if you hire me to do a job, let me do the job. I'm not going to sit down you falling downstairs and making me make jackass trades. And still want to be the manager, and I agree. I agree. It was, you know. Yeah. So so, so I, I I I look right now. You know what I do with the next? I just sit there and wait. If it feels out good, then I'm ready to start cheering. But I I never keep my fingers crossed because I know if if it's gonna if there's a way to scoop it up, Dola will find it. Trust me, he's gonna find it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah so you know, we're, we're rehashing ancient history, but it's still pre- yeah. prevalent. It's still prevalent for the Knicks but, just because of how they operate.
1: Right, I'm not gonna tell you that it's ancient history, but it's really relevant because of stuff like this. When when your franchise player wants to get out of town, is telling people, "Don't come here because I ain't gonna be here." And you didn't even realize that. So, are you are you telling people you didn't realize that? Yeah. Which 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 is a real confidence booster for the people that, that want to come here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So l- l- let's let's move on from the Knicks to uh, another topic that's been percolating for well over a week now, and it keeps being a story because the NFL keeps trying to move past it without ever actually addressing it. So obviously we, we all know that the referees blew the call in the NFC championship game, but what's more comical is the fact that Roger Goodell has the nerve to show up at media day on Thursday, 10 days after everything that went on in new Orleans and basically come out and say that because the referees are human, That there's nothing else they can do about the process. You know, I I find it comical that a man who pursued the New Orleans Saints for well over six months on Bounty Gate. A man who pursued Tom Brady for well over a year regarding deflated footballs. He can focus on those topics. But when it comes to actually improving the actual officiating of his game. All he can do is throw up his hands and say that we're all human and that we are all capable of making mistakes. It is such a cop-out because the NFL doesn't want to spend money on fixing the problem and doing a fully integrated replay system wherein they could just have a picture-in-picture box with an advertisement going on while they're reviewing plays that are questionable at best that a replay official can buzz in on, and you can have oversight from New York just to go through everything because they could just hire more people to look at these games properly instead of just doing that. Or just if giving coaches more challenges to review pass interference calls. If instead, just give them six challenges for the game instead of the, the uh, just two challenges. There are so many different ways we can go about this that the NFL just throwing up their hands saying, ah, well, we're all human. There's not much else we can do about it. It's laughable at best.
1: Well, yeah, 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 that, that, that's one of the problems. The other problem is, you know, I've heard guys, some commentators try to bait them out and tell me that, um, um, uh, well, you can't really say that cost them the game because they were still trying to play and they still got the ball first in overtime. That's the most amount of bullshit. I ever heard because everybody knows if he catches that ball, they take a couple of knees and they kick a field goal, and that's it. The game is done. Yeah, New Orleans win the game. You know, so don't tell me about it did. Yes, it did cause the league. that was the game. That was the game because the game was over. Yes, the game was over. The game,
0: the game was over because you know? they could run down the clock
1: to under twenty seconds. I don't want to hear. Overtime on all of this bullshit. The game was over right there. You know, it, 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 it's just like I said. The the guy that lined up outside in Kansas City, he cost them the game because with that interception, it's the same thing. They 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 they, 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 they run the ball a couple of times, and by the time even if they punt it, there's no way Brady have enough time to come down. Yeah, to, no, they, to, to, to
0: score. yeah D Ford absolutely you know, cost the Chiefs that game. Absolutely cost them the game.
1: Yes. Yes. And the refs cause knowledge, and the refs cause knowledge that game. And you have to do something where it don't look, let me tell you something. There's been calls before that has been questionable, but not just blatant as this. You you had a play that you could call three different fouls. You could call three different fouls on that play. Anything you want to call. Passing the appearance helmet to helmet. I mean, he, he, you can call anything you want. You know? And they call nothing. you got to have a way to fix that. Because I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not a Saints fan. But I, I would I'd be going crazy all now if that was the Giants. I would have been going crazy all now. I, there's no way I would have been able to watch the Super Bowl. I would have been too pissed off. There's no way. So you've got to do something about that. You can't have a blatant call like that. This is not like a, a judgment call. Or, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. There, There's a lot of calls that has been. This is worse than the duck rule. You know? It's worse than that because the game was over with that play.
2: You, yes. you call that
1: penalty and they get what? that ball what? and what? suck up the knees and that's it. Well, see, here's the thing yeah. about
0: here's the thing that's uh, that's aggravating about it. The people trying to defend the NFL keep saying that well, if they had called the face mask on Jared Goff, maybe the Rams go ahead and score a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal. That's a false equivalency argument because you don't know if the Rams score a touchdown. We know for a fact that if the penalties called there, the Saints have the uh, ability to run down the clock kick the field goal and the Rams get the ball back with under 20 seconds left. That is a 99.5% chance of winning. That that's how that's how that's how definitive that call was because the uh, the Ra- uh, the Saints would have been at 98% chance of winning if they called a penalty. The only way it's uh, it's not more than that is because you always have to factor that there's a botch snap on the field goal. If they kick that field goal after running down the clock, it is a 99.5% chance of a victory probably slightly higher but it's only because of a standard deviation it's not higher but you cannot get that call wrong and the fact that we there is still no admittance on the nfl's part that they want to explore different ways of making sure that never happens again other than saying referees do not ever screw up a call like that again it's asinine it is absolutely asinine and with the amount of money that is coming in in the next couple of years from gambling, Daily Fantasy, all, all these sites, all these states passing gambling laws, you cannot allow this to happen. So whether you like it or not because you, you don't want to admit that gambling is influencing your product, you've got to figure out a way of counterbalancing that with the replay system. Because as it currently stands, saying that you do, uh, it's not feasible or that the games are going to run too long is a nonsensical argument. What else is, uh, from a programming standpoint, going to dictate what the NFL does? The NFL dictates what the NFL does. So even if certain games run five, ten minutes longer, what what, what are you worried about? You're worried that fans aren't going to be able to see the games? The the, 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 The fans have more streaming options on their phones, tablets, computers, anywhere else, wherever they're watching it, than ever before. Trying to trying to make the argument that it's because the games are going to run too long is one of the most nonsensical things you can do because of the amount of options available these days. Like, people are not going to miss games because of you expanding the replay rule. You just don't want to do it because it's going to cost you more money, in your opinion. That's what this all comes down to. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's It's crazy. The, the, you know, it's it's the problem is when it happens. You see, this is what pisses me off with the NFL. If that had happened to the Patriots, you would you would have you would have, you would have conspiracy. You know, how much conspiracy? Goes.
0: Conspiracy against the Patriots. The commissioner's office hates us. Huh? It's a
1: conspiracy against yeah. us. Uh, it's, uh, look, I I can't believe that they can come up with something that says I never want to put a team in this position again I never want to put fans in this position where they feel like they're being robbed uh, because like I said I just put myself in the, in the shoes of a, a Saints fan because if that was the Giants I would be Pulling my heroes and cursing everybody right now because I figure we get robbed. You know, you got to be kidding
0: me. I, 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 I would, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd probably be in Vegas or something like that. I would try to find some destination where, yeah, maybe I, I hear what's going on with the game, but not actually have to watch the game because that's how ticked off it's I'd be as a fan.
1: I'm telling you, as a Giants fan, if that had happened to us, there's no way I would have been able to watch this game today. No way, I could watch this game today. You know, and and I don't blame Saints fans for trying to go to court and or whatever, because they think they were robbed. Well, the, well, that's yeah. that's that's and, the, that's the thing I blame the
0: media for because the media keeps to try to portray this as you know uh, a disgruntled fan base that. Like, can't accept uh, that they lost the game. And it's it's more along the lines of, you're missing the point entirely. The It's not just that they lost the game. It's the fact that there is no admission from the league that they actually want to change what caused uh, the circumstances of that game to go down the way that it did. Like, if any other league this happened to, they probably admit, like, we're going to have to do some substantive review of our uh, procedures to make sure something like this never happens again at least to say that in public the nfl literally stuck their head in the sand and let execs like elway say nah it's gonna be too difficult to implement uh, any kind of changes to the system what do you mean it's gonna be too difficult you, you didn't even explore options what do you mean it's like you actually have to discuss options first before you say it's too difficult just saying offhandedly We think it's going to be too difficult to do, so we're not even going to talk about this, really.
1: But really, let me tell you something. To me, the thing that you owe the fans is to get the calls right. You want to? Yeah, there's going to be missed calls, but calls like that at the end of the game—that's that's a game-changing call. Understand? because it's not like there was one more order to go or, 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 or something like that. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. And there are certain things I think, yes, you should review it. You should, you should get it reviewed, even if the refs don't make that call. But, you see, it's the same damn call that happened in that Dallas Saints game. They missed that call when Jalen Smith Hit that guy helmet. Yeah, helmet yeah, yeah, he yeah.
0: Yeah. The call. yeah, they they completely you know? missed him blasting Kamara in the helmet. Yes,
1: yes. He blew, and they blew that call, and Dallas ended up winning that game. You know, and that kind of set Dallas on a run. Yeah. And they blew the same call almost in the same spot again. So, if I'm a Saints fan, if I can remember that, and I'm a Giants fan. Don't tell me that Saints fan don't remember that Kamara call. So now he's thinking, they got it in for us. Oh, yeah. Because how do you miss two calls like that? What, can you blame him for thinking that? Oh, yeah. Because but, if I'm not well, a Saints fan, I remember that so vividly. How the hell they're not going to remember it? Well, well
0: it, 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 I'm, not, I, I'm not sure if you saw Sean Payton's press conference the other day when he talked about how he was trying to cope with the loss by watching Netflix. But, you know, the shirt that he was wearing underneath, like, he had a, he had a, a button-up shirt, but, like, there was a T-shirt underneath, and what everyone's expecting was the T-shirt he was wearing underneath was the Goodell is a Clown T-shirt. But, like, it, it seems as though someone talked him out of wearing that publicly, so he tried to cover it up. But, like, people are saying that that's the shirt he had on because Peyton is so oh. pissed off with how the league handled it. Because, again, it's one thing to miss the call. It's another thing entirely to pretend like it never happened. And that's what the league is basically doing. Well, the, they're, they're just trying to move on to the well, Super Bowl and hope that enough of, enough of the talk about the missed call dies down.
1: Yeah, well, because what they did is they called Peyton the same night. They called him the same night. They didn't even wait for the next day. They called him the same night to tell him, uh, we blew the call. But when it was time to acknowledge it in the press for for, for everybody to hear, they just swept it under the rug. Yeah. A typical NFL. Typical NFL. You
0: know? Yeah. So before we get into yeah. the uh, before we get into the game itself, uh, I just wanna acknowledge quickly that one of our favorite coaches won NFL Coach of the Year. And that being Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. You know you know why I laugh at the media sometimes? Because the, ne- the media believes in these dumb narratives without actually watching any of these games. Because Matt Nagy, yes, really smart, talented guy. But if you want to say that he's the NFL coach of the year as opposed to, I don't know, maybe giving it to, you know... Anyone that uh, watched what uh, uh, w- what the uh, what the uh, the Saints did this year, what the Rams did this year, what Belichick did with this Patriot squad—you know—again, I laugh at some of these media members because they well, believe it. I, the, I, they I, believe I in these ridiculous narratives because well, the bear, the, because the, the know, Bears have been bad, because the Bears made a playoff run. He, he's the coach of the year without actually watching games.
1: but uh, well, well, they, 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 they should watch some of the, they could, they watch the first game that he blew. You know, the, the, the game, uh uh I'm trying to remember who they played, when he he, he he never ran the ball to give the kicker a couple of extra yards and he fell short on the field goal. I mean, I, I, I could go on and on. Because look, you know, I, I look, but but I kept hearing, I kept hearing all through the season, people talking about how, how great Nagy was. Uh, and, uh, and, a, saying, and, and that game you were talking about was the uh, Dolphins game. Yeah, I I kept saying, wait a minute, maybe I'm watching something different because he keeps he keeps making a lot of mistakes. You know, yeah, they had a nice little run at the end of the season. But I d I don't want to forget the first half of the season because I I I, I, I can be a I can be a guy I thought a fantastic job this year. I thought this was one of Pete Carroll's best coaching jobs. Yes. But but that, For, but,
0: that, but that's, that's but that's why I laugh because yes. these these writers believe in these narratives without watching games. If you watched Seattle play well above their heads, If you watch, because everyone figured Kansas City was going to be maybe an 8-18, maybe 9-7. No one saw Kansas City being as good as they were. And yeah, Mahomes won the MVP, and deservedly so. But you still have to give Andy Reid credit. Like, my issue with Nagy isn't the fact that he won the award. It's the fact that if you watch the Bears play, it's not because of great play calling from Nagy. Because half the time, he had a great roster that went underutilized. The issue I have with this is that you gave you gave it uh, to a coach who had inconsistent quarterback play from Trubisky. Great one week, mediocre the next. Great one week, mediocre the next. Like, and a dominant defense by Dick Fangio. Like, the offense was the least consistent part of that team, and you gave him NFL Coach of the Year. Look Really? Like, like, come on! Like, watch some of these games.
1: I heard that. I heard that talk circulating at the end of the season, and I said I'm not getting involved because I don't understand what they're seeing. I I really didn't understand what they. I, I I mean,
0: so, I, I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. It's, it's not. It's not like I'm trying to denigrate Nagy or Trubisky. Like. You know, it was an okay offense. It wasn't. It wasn't world beaters. It was the defense. The defense was like ridiculously. And, and, and guess what? They have John Gruden to thank for that. So if you want to name NFL coach of the year, you give that to John Gruden and his incompetence because John Gruden I, <laughs> turned that into a playoff team. I I I I don't
1: I don't get it. I I just. I just left it alone, you know, because Chicago never made me say, wow, they really turned it around. They're playing great. I, if you watch the first two games that Seattle played and then you watch how they kind of restructured that team and started playing to a different style and went on that run, I, like I said, you know me of Pete Carroll. He, he drives me up the wall, but this is one of the best coaching jobs I thought he did in a while. I mean, he had that. He, they were running like he beat Spodos back there. You know, you couldn't stop them. They were running that ball just like he beat Spodos back then. You know? So I, 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 I didn't get, and that's a team we had a roster that turned over because the Legion of Boom was gone you know and they played like if they were back there again so yeah hey yeah. but, 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 you know?
0: but 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 guess guess what bill o'brien was up for the for the award as well so that that tells y'all you, you need to know
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well hey i guess they're going to say that um that um they, they they lost the first three and then they went on a run. It, it, so they, they give him credit for that. Just... But what I saw is that he fell flat in the playoffs again. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. Yeah. Like I say, maybe this is just me. I maybe I I want too much. You know, I want too much. I just want I just well, want you...
0: writers to follow the games. I I, I know writers no. have to cover their individual teams, so they don't they don't necessarily have as much time to watch other teams play. But literally, if you watched, if you actually looked at it, like, there's no way you could say that Matt Nagy was the driving force behind the Bears' success this year.
1: You've you got to be kidding me. Well, look, yeah, here's what I'm saying. I'm watching a couple of coaches, and I have a feeling that Marvin Lewis is going to have company with that That. So many and so many appearances, and they never win a playoff game. But I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah. I have a feeling you're going to have company. Because there's a couple of candidates, but I, I don't want to say nothing yet. You yeah. know, because I'm seeing, I'm seeing coaches that as soon as they hit the playoffs, get brain farts all the time. So, and because they, 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 the, the team can't, can't, can't beat nobody. Once they hit the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah. All right. So, let's get into the Super Bowl itself. So, you know, I I talked about this before, and it's one of those where, er like, the initial Vegas line put the Rams minus one. Everyone bet, and basically everyone and their grandmother bet on the Patriots, so that 80% of the people uh, bet on the Patriots. And I keep looking at this game, and the thing that keeps sticking out to me is the fact that the Patriots have not actually faced any real pressure on Tom Brady. The way you beat Tom Brady is getting pressure up the middle, and no one's been able to do it yet with that off- offensive uh, offensive line. Because I thought the Chiefs might have been able to do it at home, and it was clearly obvious from the get-go the Chiefs were not going to get that pressure up the middle. The only way the Rams win this game is if, uh, between Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue they cause multiple hurries and knockdowns of Tom Brady. They don't have to get sacks. They just have to get hurries and knockdowns. That's, that's how you beat Tom Brady. And the, the fear I have for the Rams is that if the knockdowns and uh, hurries don't happen early, it's never going to happen because The Patriots only get better as the game goes along. So, like, the first quarter is the critical key for the Rams to win this game. The Rams' defense has to be, like, omnipresent from the jump. Because it's only going to get harder from there on out.
1: Well, well, all you got to do, all you got to do is remember both times that they played the Giants in the Super Bowls. The first one in two thousand and eight they sacked Tom Brady like three times in the first set of series. And the, the the second time we played him in the Super Bowl, the first thing the Jazz did was get a safety. Yeah. So right he off was the getting bat pressure he was getting pressure right off the bat in both games. And what I'm saying, the only the only the only promising thing I see for the Rams is that Dominican Sue is playing just like I saw him when he was at Nebraska, where where people couldn't block him at all. Since the playoffs started, he's lifted his game where he's just a monster. Yeah. And if he brings that today, that, if he brings that today with Aaron Donald, I don't think they have enough people to block him.
0: Yeah, that's because he's
1: still got up or down Dante Fowler.
0: Yeah, you know. Honestly, in Dominikusu, I you know I know people were talking about. Uh, Aaron Donald, but realistically, Dominican too, is the most important player on the Rams today. You know, they Aaron can think...
1: Can... Aaron Donald is always going to be Aaron Donald. You're going to have to double it. It's what Sue does. If Sue comes and plays like he played in those last couple of games, the pitchers are going to be in trouble because nobody's going to be able to block them. Yeah. Because, because you still got to block Dante Fowler. You still got a block Fowler.
0: because the you, you, you yeah because the the only guys I've ever seen give the Patriots fits that be uh, that didn't give pressure up the middle is Von Miller. Von Miller is the only guy I've ever seen get the uh, just cause absolute havoc against the Patriots by being an outside rusher rather than getting pressure up the middle like right. that. That's how good Von right, Miller yeah, was.
1: Because- because he got there. Well, the only other guy I saw did it was um. Strahan. When he was when he was in his Haiti. um, the 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 guy from the uh, coast.
0: Um, well, well, Dwi- um, uh, yeah, Dwight Freedy and Michael Strahan were the only other guys I've seen like, like cause havoc for used the Pats to that used to way. Come
1: around, yeah, yeah, they used to come around. they the, so fast that they they and they couldn't block Strahan in in, in in that Super Bowl. They just can handle him around the outside and. It, 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 it was game over. But that's, that's the, but the problem with, 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 with the Giants is they were getting so much pressure off the middle with Tucker and them that they, they, they couldn't handle the, the edge rush. So that's what I'm saying. This, to me, this game hinges on how good Dominican Sue is playing. If he comes there with his A game, I don't see how the Patriots are going are to win that game. I don't see it because you're not going to come out of that game with no sacks like the Kansas City game. There's no way. That way they're on and, and 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 two in the middle. There's no way you can block the because you always got to put two guys on, on Donald and he probably might have to get somebody to chip him.
0: Yeah. So, because the one the one thing yeah, that no. the the one thing that the Pats do so well is that they utilize all their offensive linemen and Gronk technically is their best offensive lineman on the edge. The issue is that yeah. because of the way the Rams are constructed up the middle, Gronk's Gronk's basically neutralizing that. Because yeah, Gronk, Gronk can block on the outside, but like like Gronk yeah. on, Gronk on Fowler to me is a non-issue. It's like I'm I, like yes, can Fowler get pressure on Brady? Yeah, it's entirely possible. But I'm not worried about Dante Fowler. My issue is. How am I going to figure out blocking up the middle against uh, Sue? Because you're gonna have to do a wham on uh, Aaron Donald, so you're gonna have to double team on uh, Aaron Donald, and that basically leaves you one on one with uh, Sue. And I just don't see unless you're uh, you're using you uh, you're, you're t- uh, keeping in uh, James White uh, for additional protection. I don't really see that like being an advantageous matchup for the Pats like it's not a good matchup for them so at, like at the end of the day if if the Pats are winning this game it's because they figured out a way of get of moving around Sue and Donald and just kind of maneuvering the pocket so that uh, they keep they keep Brady uh, bouncing left and right away from those two that's the way I see the Pats kind of mitigating the pressure but I, I, they, they, no. they they got they got to be able to figure that out
1: let me tell you something if you go if I'm if I'm if I'm the Rams I go and and bring out that that 2008 Super Bowl team tape with the Giants and that that Patriots that Patriots line could not handle that Giants line at first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, or no or fourth quarter. They couldn't handle them. Brady kept getting hit. Yeah, he had scored a couple of touchdowns, but Brady Cup they, they they were going three and out so often that I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, I would have been, let me tell you something. Even if, even if the Giants didn't score that touchdown. And we had lost that game on that Randy Moss touchdown, I still would have been feeling proud with the way we beat Brady
0: up. Oh, yeah, no, Because they... he
1: was on his ass so often. He was on his ass so often in that game. It was like, I've never seen this. I didn't see this coming. Well, well, well that's the thing. You know?
0: If the Brady today had to p- play that game against the Giants, he probably retires. He probably retires because that, that was oh, one yeah. of the most brutal I'm... games he actually ever had to go through.
1: He got beat. He got beat up so bad. He was getting up and yelling at guys. You know those guys like light on them. They 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 just couldn't handle the rush. They couldn't handle talk. They couldn't handle human aura. Forget strength. I mean they were eating them up.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. But, the, they, but they just couldn't handle the rush. Not, that. That and the chance wasn't blitzed. If you remember
0: that game. No, yeah, no, that was four days. De- Four down linemen the entire game. Four 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 down linemen the entire way through.
1: It's like I said in that in that in that college. Yeah. It's like I said in that college game with, with, with that Alabama and Clemson game, Clemson won that game with their four down linemen. Alabama couldn't have They didn't need to play. So there was no hot reads to get. You know. They, 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 they were a hot reads. The safeties and the linebackers were just standing there. You're getting all the pressure from the front four. Yeah. So, you know, and and, and that that was the problem with Brady.
0: Yeah. So this is this yeah. is one of those weird games where I feel, in my opinion, because last year, last year we ne- we we had no idea the Pats were going to bench Malcolm Butler, and neither did the Pats secondary, and that screwed up the entire game plan because. Philly came out far more aggressive than Bill Belichick actually thought they would. And it it seemed as though that it it caught them off guard because they didn't realize that Philly uh, had a feeling. Like, I don't know if Philly, like, got inside information that Butler wasn't going to play. But, like, Philly knew, like, set up their entire game plan to target Butler's replacement and just go after him every single time and and the patriots just can never adjust to that and they got Nick Foles into a rhythm that to me that one that is the one game that's an aberration like if if you look at like some of the other past super bowls with the patriots Atlanta jumped on them early because of the defense just getting a ton of pressure on Brady and the patriots just not being able to handle it and Atlanta's offense got clicking early because they were in great field position the entire way through. So that game was a little bit different than uh, some of the others as well. But then in the second half, the Patriots got it together. My thing is, if the Rams are going to win this game, I actually think that this this game has to hit the under for the Rams to win it. I, I Because I don't think Todd Gurley's healthy, and I don't think C.J. Anderson's going to do all that much against uh, running against the Patriots. My, my feeling is, is, though, that, you know, the Rams' offense just has to avoid making any mistakes. Just control the ball, play field position, kick some field goals. Yeah, you get a, you'll get a touchdown here and there, but I don't see the Rams really putting up 30 points in this game. I see them probably in that 24 to 27 range max, and, you know, and, and if that's the case, this game's hitting the under. So the Rams have got to figure out a way, and like I said, it's going to be the pressure up the middle more likely than not that's going to be the difference in this one. So if the Rams can't get the pressure up the middle, I think the Pats pretty much take care of business here and win by a touchdown, which is rare for them because the only game they ever won by a touchdown was because the Atlanta game went into overtime after the Falcons blew it. But like all the other Patriots games are always close. I just feel as though if the Rams can't get the defense on track, I don't think this one ends up being that close. I think it just ends up being a case where the Rams are playing catch-up all fourth quarter, and that's just not the place you want to be in against New England.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, let me tell you something. You see like how the Patriots went up against the, the Chiefs? The Rams cannot afford to let the Patriots go up 14 to nothing and all of that like like thing. Because I don't think uh Goff can do what Mahomes did. No. I, I don't think he can carve them up like that. Because I think if Goff has to throw the ball uh uh uh, uh an inordinate amount of time, I think the, the the they're gonna be in trouble. And you know, p-
0: and p- and part of the,
1: and part of that
0: was a uh, just a great adjustments by gall I mean uh, just a great adjustments by Mahomes because realistically what you saw out of the Patriots was a double team over the top on Tyreek Hill and I I still think that Tyreek Hill was injured in that game. I don't think the double team works nearly as well against Tyreek Hill if he wasn't so banged up with that heel. I thought I thought Tyreek Hill was taken out of the game because more because of injury than the Pats. But the 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 issue that they ran into was that they used Stefan Gilmore uh, to cover Kelsey, and he matched up really well against Kelsey. That that was the surprise. I didn't think Kelsey was going to be able to get uh, taken out by, uh, uh, by a DB at, uh, solo. That was the difference in that KC game, so it forced Mahomes to have to throw at different angles to get the other guys involved and play kind of more yeah. of a ball conservative game. If I'm the Rams, I know for a fact that the Patriots – are going to do everything they, they can to take care of uh, Brandon Cooks over the top, and Robert Woods is going to be shadowed by Gilmore. So if I'm if I'm the Rams, I'm probably going to run. I'm probably going to run more two tight end sets than I have in the past. Uh, and either uh, uh, and when I'm running through wide receiver sets, I'm I'm targeting Reynolds because that's the matchup. Like you're going away from. Uh, you, you're going to have to play into what the Pats want you to do. But trying to force the ball into your main guys, that's always a recipe for disaster against New England. So they're going to force them to throw it underneath. And my only thing with uh, uh, the running back situation is that, you know, I'm not entirely sold on Gurley being healthy at all. People keep saying that he's had so many weeks of rest. But if he's got a legitimate injury, I don't care how long it takes. Like, you're not going to feel fully healthy until a couple of months into the off season, So, I'm not fully convinced that he can go 100% for a full 60 minutes. I think he can maybe do a couple of series here and there, but I'm not expecting a whole lot of gir- out of Gurley tonight.
1: But the, the only thing with with um, the, the Patriots got to be careful is that, you know, I saw C.J. Anderson light him up in Denver, and they couldn't stop him. You know, sometimes that that he has that speed run that that he makes and every now and then I, I saw him top them up in Denver but well, they just couldn't stop him. Well well that was so the, the that, they, they, Yeah, that was the one be careful.
0: Yeah, that was the one thing I was I was curious about and I'm glad you mentioned it because we've seen C J Anderson have monster games against the Patriots. My thinking yeah. is is that you know the Patriots are going to plug up the middle uh, while they're uh, while they're doing the double team on the outside. So to me, I think the the uh, the play that they're going to leave open is to throw out in the flat. So I think they're 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 going to try to clog up the middle so that CJ Anderson can't beat them because I think they're I think they prep more for CJ Anderson in this game than they prep for Gurley because I I think you know I I don't I'm not convinced that Gurley's healthy. And I have a pretty good feeling the Patriots are of the same opinion that I am, that Gurley isn't healthy well, and that they need uh, to focus on C.J. Anderson.
1: Well, they were in dire straits in New Orleans, and Gurley was riding that bike. So, uh, unless, uh, uh, unless he punched the coach in his mouth, I don't understand how he was on the bench. You know, So, it has to be that he's not healthy. Uh, of course, they're not going to tell you that, but I mean... You saw where it was taught Gurley time, and he was nowhere to be found. with CJ Anderson running? So, I mean, you're not fooling anybody by say that he has rested, he's healthy. If, if if when the game is on the line, you're not using him. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, the game is on the line, and Michael Jordan is sitting on the bench. Well, are you kidding me or? Yeah, so. I, it's, not a, it's not a wild guess to think that Gurley is not healthy, you know. Because why why else wouldn't you not be running him? He's the best running back in the game, you know. So, so I, I have a feeling that he may not be that healthy. Yeah, it's been two weeks, you know, but it depends on what the injury is. And, of course, they're not going to tell you, you know. That, that's the problem I have. But – I think if Gurley's not healthy, you know, I don't know if they can beat the Patriots because they need to have a balanced stack because there's no way Goff is is, is going to have up the Patriots. Not if Belichick only has to concentrate on him. Trust me. You know, he has to be able to throw up a play action. And if you can't scare them with that run, you, you, you're going to be in trouble. There's no way you're gonna you' are gonna survive. You've gotta move Chama N if if you're gonna survive throwing that ball against the Patriots. And
0: yeah. Yeah, my my so, my yeah. thing my thing is is that it, if people are expecting golf to have this amazing game, just remember that quarterbacks under the age of twenty five are fifteen and seventy five against Bill Belichick. Since 2001. I mean, that's the stat. E. So, yeah, you know. You, 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 you with that. So, sure. it, to me, it's just a matter of don't make the mistake if you're golf. I think the throw to the flat is going to be open the entire game because, again, I think the Patriots are going to be concentrating up the middle and making sure that they can't get anything over the top they're going to take away the middle of the field so that means uh Gilmore's going to be shadowing Robert Woods the entire game and that uh, they can't get the deep throw with uh, Cooks uh over the top because they're they're going to have a uh a safety over to, uh following him as well so i think that they're going to make yes. they're going to make they're going to make the rams try to beat them with 15 play drives and you just got to be patient enough to do it
1: yeah that's why you need gully because, like I said they're gonna have trouble over the top there he's good at that you know you know they, 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 they he, they're gonna have trouble over the top with that safety so yeah they, they, so they, you're gonna have you're gonna have to have a healthy girlie in order to make them respect that run and make those cities have to come up so you can beat him with play action but if 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 if, if, if they don't have girly. And CJ Anderson can, feeling where he's scaring them with that those those quick runs that he makes. It's gonna be a long day for Kansas City on offense. I can tell you. I mean, um, the Rams on offense, it, 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 the way all the, the because like like we always say, the one thing you know with the Patriots, they do not go off script. Nope. They're gonna stick with the program, you know. So once they establish something. Where they have you, where they want you, they're not going to let you up. So you're going to have you better have all your eyes dotted and your teeth crossed. So they they better have a healthy girlie today. Because if not, they better hope C.J. Anderson is the C.J. Anderson that that used to be giving them hell in Denver. Yeah. Yeah.
0: so uh it's oh, gonna be a long
1: afternoon for them.
0: Yeah, so before I let you go, uh let me get a final score out of you on where you think the game ends up.
1: I I think it's gonna be a tight game. You know, I could see uh, look, let me tell you something. Like I said, it depends on how a Dominican Sue is on defense. Because if the Patriots can go up and down the field controlling that, that 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 defensive line, it, this could be a long one for for, for 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 the Rams. Because I've seen golf look ordinary when he can't get that that offense working the way he wants. You know. I I still like the Rams. I, I you know, I still like the Rams. I, I still like around that
0: 20, 24 Rams. I, I still like it around there. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, the way I kind of saw this is that, you know, even though the Rams have the better squad overall, in my opinion, I still look at this as a game where if these teams played 10 times, the Patriots probably win seven out of them because I see more scenarios where the Rams find ways of losing this game than winning it. that That's my biggest issue with the Rams, is that I could still see scenarios where the Rams try to get too cute, someone tries to make a play and, and fumbles the ball or turns it over, and the Patriots just pound them uh, with uh, with uh, the turnover battle. So, you know, even with that, I, I, I just see it as though, like, you know, the Patriots win this game seven out of ten times. The one thing I can say, though, is that, you know, Again, because the Rams have the more talented squad overall, if they could just play a solid uh, game overall, I could see them winning this game like and the fact that 80% of the people on the pats, like to me, you know if like usually with uh, you know, you don't see games this lopsided. The last time we saw a game come close to being this lopsided, in terms of, like, the public just favoring one team, you got to go all the way back to the Cowboys run in the Super Bowl and they were playing the Bills who were in the uh, uh, the Super Bowl for the fourth time. Like, that last time the Bills made the Super Bowl and no one really believed the, uh, the Bills had any chance of winning that game. That's the last time, like...
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: know. But even yeah. then, I mean, that was a, that was a whole different setup. So... You know, it's not as the like, but people are favoring the Patriots as if they are that, that vastly more talented than the Rams, and it's not the case. So, you know, this is one of those where it's like, yeah, I I still feel the Pats can win this game more often than not if they played a uh, neutral site like uh, multiple times. But you know, given that I still think the Rams had a more talented team, I'm gonna pick the Rams. Just be, just from a valuation standpoint, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard picking when eighty percent of the people are on against you. It's like trying to join that side. It, it's just to me there's there's too much at variable. It's like I I just think that from valuation standpoint, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole ton of sense just uh, uh coming down that hard on the uh, the path. So I I gotta be a little bit contrarian there. But, like I said, I I don't see the Rams scoring uh, 30 points in this one. I see this being more of a 27-24 game. But, again, it's got to be the defense that leads the way. And I know folks would always say, well, what about the Rams' offense? But, realistically, the way you beat the Pats is through your defense. Uh, Like, the, the the Eagles game last year was an aberration just because of the fact that you know, if if the if the Patriots started Malcolm Butler, they win that game. There's no doubt in my mind they win yeah. that game, but because yeah. of the decisions they made, the Eagle it gave the Eagles a chance to exploit matchups that they would have never had otherwise.
1: Yeah, here's one of the problems that that one of the things that people are are, are, are banking on today. Everybody feels this is Gronk's last game a lot of people are scared that Gronk is gonna have a monster game. And if Gronk has a monster game, this could be a long game for the for the Rams. Oh e- 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 if Gr- I don't know if if if, if, if Gronk is healthy and has a monster game, it could be problems. Yeah. No. A lot of people have, have a feeling this is coming because it, it might be his last game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I keep hearing that talk too. you know, I'm not a big on the Gronk narrative. I thought that he had favorable matchups against KC, and that's why New England targeted him. But if you look at Gronk movement overall, he has slowed down so much because of the injuries. I don't really see him being that big of a factor in today's game. But if Gronk He's
1: not not a monster anymore. But if... If, But if...
0: But if Gronk, but if yeah. Gronk people is, just, yeah, yeah uh, no, go ahead.
1: No, people just think that as it's his last game, he, he may he may summon something and it might be the Gronk of all. Yeah, you know, and and, uh,
0: and my thing is,
1: I, I, I have, yeah,
0: yeah, my my yeah. thing is is that if Gronk is over a hundred yards with a touchdown. Like, it's over for the Rams. Because if Gronk's going, that means the entire middle of the field is open for Brady to exploit with Element and you're never going to stop that offense. It's like, it's, it's just, it, it, it is game. It is game at that point.
1: Yeah, that, but that's what I'm saying. Because, look, it doesn't, sometimes, because I saw this against Seattle, and this is been the Legion of Boomers was there, because Seattle was leading that game. We always talk about that goal line stand where Seattle threw it away at the end. But that game should have been out of reach. But they just couldn't stop Edelman. And, well, at th- that time it was, um um uh, oh, my God, that guy, the running back that, that came to the Giants and we never used it. Oh, yeah.
0: So uh, Shane Vereen. Shane Vereen destroyed Seattle in that game.
1: We team, Shane and Edelman, they couldn't stop those passes, those dump-off passes. You know, and that's the problem. That's why I said, if you don't get pressure up the middle on Brady and he can see that field, if he can see that field and he's not, he's not flat on his ass a couple of times up the middle, he's going to tear apart because there's always somebody and all Brady needs. Is a couple of inches and he'll get that ball in there because he's that accurate. You know? That's that's where the equalizer is with, with the bat. It's it's the window that Brady can get that ball in that 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 murder. He says no, he can't make that one. He does. He makes he makes those throws. It's off his shoelaces, it gets out in front, but he makes those throws. So you gotta make sure that is up the middle where he, the hand is up in his face and he's, he's going backwards. And if they can't get that, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what golf does, it doesn't matter what anything does, Brady's gonna pick here fast. Because if it comes to Brady getting his way and golf getting his way, guess who I'm betting on? <laughs> yeah. You know, so that this is this is really is really how good because I know what Eric Donald could do. It's really about how good Dominic Su plays today. Because if they have those two in the middle and they've got to be sliding guys over for that, then, then it's, it's game on for, 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 for the Rams and the defense. Because then Talib and them can, can, can really go to work. You know. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I said the key is Dominican too. If he's a monster today, I think the Pats are gonna lose two in a row. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they should be on a hat trick. They should be on a hat trick and lose it three in a row if 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 if, if, if freaking Matt Ryan doesn't take that sack. But hey.
0: Well, well. Don't get me started. Uh, well, a we we all know about how many bad decisions were made in that game. But b if the Falcons oh, won that Super Bowl, we would never hear the end of how great Matt Ryan is. And we all know what our feelings are about Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Sure. Matt Ryan. Yeah. I want to play for the Giants anytime.
0: Oh yeah. God. <laughs> And, and, and we, and again, the, and the national media would look at us like we're crazy for saying that about Matt Ryan, why we wouldn't want him on our team. But, you know, I, 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 I would rather be crazy. I would rather be labeled as crazy because I know what the truth is.
1: Hey, I support Chris Canty 100% when he says Matt Ryan is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. Canty always says it, and I says me too. Yeah, you understand? He always says it, and I'm not apologizing for it. Most overrated quarterback in the NFL. So, uh, you know, you know how I stand on that. Please. Yeah. You know, you can't show me how he doesn't see that. You can't take that back there, because if you kick, if you kick a field goal, and they weren't field goal range already, you kick a field goal, that game is basically over. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Cal. Don't get me started with that. Yeah. All right, Kelly, before
0: we wrap All up, right. uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll wrap up. But, like, one, one last thing, though, uh, because this this is the this is the prop that people have going out for. Uh, how many plays do you think Tony Romo calls correctly tonight? They're saying that the line is going to be at four and a half plays. So that basically means uh, he's got to get five or more to actually win that prop, or do you think it's going to be under that? I think
1: he's under I,
0: I, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think with it being the Super Bowl, they're going to try a lot of different trick plays. So I, I can't see Romo calling out that many plays. It, honestly, if Romo calls that many plays, then we know it's going to be a blowout for one of these teams because that means they're going to start running their base offense, and that's never a good sign for the other squad in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how about
0: that. Oh, yeah. They got a line for everything. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah. All
0: right,
1: son. All right.
0: You, we'll talk later. Yeah. I me a to give us. Yep, yep. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll catch up. All right, you take it easy, Callie. All right, so let's get into it from a DFS perspective. Both DraftKings and FanDuel are doing million-dollar contests, uh, showdown contests for the Super Bowl. So, obviously... Uh, it's going to be millions of entries, well I shouldn't say millions but it's going to be uh, typically for pools uh, this size you're going to have over 300,000 potential entries on both websites and it's it's going to be a absolute mess. However, this is where I kind of step in and try to sort through the minutiae here because we've already talked about this from a narrative standpoint. Of why some of these uh, 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 su- some of these uh, suspected plays that people keep touting, I just can't see being viable strategies. So, you know, on DraftKings, obviously you have uh, uh, the three positions. Uh, I mean, the six positions, uh, which include the captain spot. But on DraftKings, for those of you for uh, new to this again, would be you know the salary uh, gets multiplied by 1.5 in addition to the points being multiplied by the captain spot, so it plays a different role as to how you're going to price out your squad. Now, I would say from uh, the outset, this is a case where you know I, I look at this, and the most expensive guy on each roster is is Julian Edelman on uh, DraftKings. Julian Edelman is the most expensive guy, and the guy I still would say, even though the Rams are a top flight team in terms of defending in the slot, I still would have to uh, give an edge here to Edelman just because you know for a fact that Tom Brady is not going to go through this game without specifically targeting Julian Edelman. It's not happening. So this is a case where, you know, yes, the stats say that it's going to be lower uh, lower end of percentage, but it's what Brady is still most comfortable with. So I look at this as a, a potential play here where Edelman is going to see the lion's share of targets out of the game today. I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, picking uh, picking Brady to uh, spread the ball around uh, outside of Edelman. Uh, if he's spreading the ball around, Edelman's getting uh, getting most of the looks still, e- even with uh, not-as-favorable matchup. But uh, these are not... I-, I would hate to say you cannot play a certain player just because of the matchup to me that that's always one where you know figure out what you uh, game script you're comfortable with and then you work your way from there uh my perspective is that uh this uh, this game calls more for uh, uh a, a chance uh, to see you know a couple of different guys for the Rams step up but you're going to see more of the usual suspect show up for the Patriots. I I look at this as a case where the Pats are going to force the ball to Edelman and James White, but the look isn't going to be there early. The look is going to be there later on in the game as the Rams get tired. So, as I said, I expect the Patriots to force the run early and kind of get the Rams into a more comfortable spot wherein – you know, they start taking their attention away from Edelman and kind of focusing more on Sony Michelle, and they come back to him later on in the game. That's the thing about the Patriots. They stick with the script unless they see such disruptive play that forces them out of their comfort zone. I, I, I don't see that happening. I, I think that, uh, you know, as much as uh, New England understands what uh, uh, what the, uh, the Rams want to do, they're going to find ways of creating the matchups that they want anyway. So, uh, to me, this is a case where you know you can go with the uh, the likes of um, Julian Ellerman and feel confident with that. So, moving on because uh, uh, we we do need to uh, talk about the actual lineups. Uh, I like to see uh, lineups where you're probably going to end up playing both quarterbacks. Here's the reason why. I expect this to be a case where the Rams, because of the fact that, and again, this is where my opinion is, Gurley is still injured. You're not going to see that much of a rushing attack outside of C.J. Anderson, but I don't see C.J. Anderson uh, ripping off, 20 yard runs uh as we've seen the last couple of weeks i I cannot see that happening if that's happening then this could go in a completely different direction with uh the rams blowing out the pats and again i don't see that happening so in my perspective this is going to be a game where jared Goff is still going to be able to pad his stats even if he doesn't look great doing so this is what I call the, the kind of Matt Ryan, Matt Staff, uh, Stafford effect where you're piling up stats because you're throwing the ball so much at the same time. So that leaves us with the names to kind of keep in mind. So in Super Bowls, you're going to see some names pop up that you're not familiar with. I mean, that's how James White became more of a household name was that Atlanta Super Bowl where... Atlanta just could not figure out how to stop him at all. And the Pats just did whatever they wanted to in the second half as Atlanta refused to run the football. So the names I would keep an eye out for in tonight's game would be Philip Dorsett and Chris Hogan on the Pats side. And on the Rams side, it would be Josh Reynolds. These are all wide receivers. I think that this is going to be a wide receiver driven game. I think that you know you play both quarterbacks, but this is going to be a wide receiver-driven game as to who ends up winning it. Because it, again, I think both teams uh, the way they run their offenses with lots, uh, with different motions try to uh, try, uh, try to confuse the defenses. A lot of rub routes try to spring guys open, uh, and by rub routes I mean pick routes. Uh, uh, for those of you not familiar with the term. Uh, where one wide receiver basically kind of runs into the uh, the DB to free open another wide receiver. Yes, it's illegal, but technically you can make it look legal enough where it doesn't get flagged, and both teams do a very, very good job of it uh, multiple times during a game. So, again, as I said, I, I like both quarterbacks. I like uh, those, uh, that wide receiver pairing combo where you you got you got Reynolds, you got Dorset. Uh you've got you got Hogan. You know, Edelman I I always think is in play here just because of his connection to Brady. It's just one of those where he's he's gonna he's gonna get he's gonna get the service from Brady. There's to me there's almost no chance that uh that Edelman doesn't get uh, uh the service from Brady. So you know, as I said, uh, this is a case where I fully expect to see lots of uh, uh, lots of targets uh, between uh, that pairing of players. Now, over on Fanduel, the rules change it up a bit because of the fact that in the MVP spot, you don't have to pay one and a half times your salary, and you still get one and a half times the points for the captain spot. So in the captain spot, it makes complete sense to play the quarterbacks. And, you know, golf is priced at the exact same level as Brady. Now, I can easily see folks doing a contrarian play here where, you know, you play golf because you know everyone and their grandmother will be on Tom Brady playing that lineup. My thing is is that, you know, Yes, I could go. Uh, I'll probably play one or two lineups with uh, golf in the MVP spot ahead of Brady. But you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going all out to try to win million dollars by be playing the less advantageous play. I, I still think you got to go with uh, what makes the most sense, and that's being uh, playing with Tom Brady in the captain's uh, the MVP spot over on FanDuel. Now, if you want to be a little bit contrarian, I do feel as though playing Julian Edelman on a half PPR side in Fanduel versus a full PPR side on DraftKings, that's where you can start getting a little contrarian. You can play golf as well. You can play both quarterbacks still. You play Edelman. That ties up your salary. But then you run it back with a guy like Tyler Higbee, uh, the tight end for the Rams, or Gerald Everett, uh, the other tight end for the Rams. And then uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, because those are going to be cheaper own guys. But if Reynolds is on the field, chances are Higby and Everett aren't on the field. So they don't necessarily positively correlate, but you're trying to make your lineup different enough, and that's how you make it different is the fact that you're you're putting in guys that folks necessarily wouldn't want to have playing together. Uh, but at the same time, uh, folks are not necessarily stacking both quarterbacks and Edelman in the same in the same pairing, because of how much salary is taken up. If it's taken up that much salary, folks are more likely to play a cheaper uh, uh, around the same price, uh, pay the same price around for Todd Gurley instead of Edelman, uh, just because they, they look at it as Todd Gurley's got the more game break uh, game breaking abilities uh, by uh, uh, running the football. So again. You know, this is where you got to kind of take stands on certain things. I'm just not playing Gurley, folks. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. I think he's still injured. I, I just don't feel comfortable playing Gurley at all. So I made that stance perfunctorily clear on the podcast. If uh, if Gurley blows up, and you know, it's going to be a rough night for me on the DFS lineups. But that that's just the way I look at it. It's too much of a risk playing girly when every indication throughout the playoffs is that he's hiding a major injury that it's going to take some time to heal. And, you know, he's just playing through it. So we'll see what the, uh, the game script actually calls for in in the Super Bowl tonight. But, uh, those are my thoughts on the game itself. As I said, this should be a very entertaining game because it's a lot, it's a lot closer matchup. Than anyone's giving it credit for in terms of the betting public, but I just feel as though, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves here, uh, this could easily uh, be a case where, you know, it could get get away from the Rams quickly, but I could also see it getting away from the Pats, and you know, anyone saying that they absolutely know for sure how this game is going is going to go down. Uh, you know, they're just being ridiculous because these teams are talented enough with enough talented uh, talent on both coaching staffs uh, to figure out anything that the other side's doing. So, again, I, I look at this as a case where the Rams need to jump on this game early just because the Pats are going to come in, you know, they're going to be patient. Even if things don't click early, they're just going to stay the course and not let their emotions get the best of them. And that's the fear the Rams have to run into. If the Pats just get into a comfortable rhythm early and just keep keep moving along, it's going to be on the cruise control uh, throughout. So, uh, you know, again, uh, pay attention to the first quarter. I think that's going to have a big impact on this game. Uh, But uh, you know what? It's been a fun NFL season, guys. I've been uh, really glad to cover it all the way through for the most part with uh, the podcast and uh, you know what uh, let's hope for a good game tonight and uh, have some fun with it so uh, that's gonna do it uh, for everything and uh, we'll see, we'll see how everything turns out but uh, definitely looking forward to this one and uh, can't wait to talk about a more uh, post game so that's all for now have a good one